Welcome to episode two of our podcast series on Deep Space Nine. Today we're going to talk about the first 10 episodes of season two of Deep Space Nine. As I'm watching through for the first time, my co-hosts are uh, joining me today, Rachel and Lewis, and they've both seen Deep Space Nine uh, a while back, years ago. And today we have special guest Carla with us. Hello. Hi, she is my sister. She's here um, to join us and talk about Deep Space Nine. Um, Carla, when did you see Deep Space Nine for the first time? I think I was a teenager. And did you like it right off the bat? I did. I, I like most of the Star Treks. Let's just jump right in. We're going to go episode by episode this time. So last time we talked about relationships and character arcs. That's what we're going to do in the next podcast as well. Today, we're going to just talk about more episodic and kind of go at it that way. And then when I'm fully at the end of season two, we're going to talk about um, the growth of the characters, same way we did last time for all of season one. So let's jump right in. The first episode of the season was the homecoming. They come across this earring. Cork comes uh, in to be in possession of this Bajoran earring. And it leads to this whole adventure on this Cardassian mining planet. Um, I'll just say that I love this episode, although I always have trouble. Like, I always, every time I put on, like, the beginning of season two, I'm like, I could just watch one and not watch all three of the, like, those three, like, three-parters. And I'm never successful. <laughs> yeah, because once you get into his story. Yeah, I always end up watching them as, like, one giant movie that starts off the second season of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see a little bit of what the Bajorans were, like what they went through at the hands of the Cardassians. Like you heard about it in season one, but you don't really get a good visual until you see the prison camp in this episode. Yeah. I think this episode really does a good job of showing they're like, this is why the Bajorans like have such a strong feelings about the Cardassians. Like mm -hmm. it's not a petty rivalry. It's, like they were oppressed by these people. Right. In episode two, in the circle, it, his story kind of starts to unfold that he's not me. He's maybe not the war hero that they think that he is. Lewis, what do you think about that? Well, at first, I, it was very surprising because I think this is the first time in Star Trek, at least for me, that it is quite political. So I, I was very excited by, for the story. And, and that time I saw the episode, I remember it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I didn't have to wait uh, like one week <laughs> for every episode. Oh, they released them all at once? Yes, they showed the, the full season in one month, every day. Wow. Wow. I remember that it was like, oh, this is happening. Oh, what, what is going to happen next? Uh, so this was like the original binging at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the first time I really got interested in Bajoran history and the relationship with the Cardassians. Mm -hmm. Because, well, this kind of hero, it's like non-history for us here in South America. We have a lot of stories of that kind of heroes like revolutionary heroes. So I think this is the first time maybe the Star Trek tries to tell a story about a revolutionary hero or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Linalis is definitely a 
reluctant hero at best. Honestly, I kind of love that about him. They're like, no, he's an actual person and actual people are complicated. Yeah. I also, like you're saying about the Bajoran religion, I've always loved the juxtaposition. You start really seeing it, I feel like, in this three-parter with Kira being very religious, but not a very passive character, which I feel like religious female characters are often usually very passive. Like that's seen as like a quality. And I liked the, that Kira is not that at all. Mm -hmm. And I also, because this made me laugh the first time I watched it. And anytime I rewatched this, the fact, the idea that she went, that part of the, when she went to see the prophecies is that apparently her gods were shipping her with Brial. Yeah. Because they were like, isn't he cute? (laughs) Like, I was drawing at the time and like I was watching and drawing at the same time. And I looked up, I was like, whoa, what's going on? (laughs) What just happened? And like, I know Beryl's not like the most favorite character of a lot of people. And I really like him. I think he's kind of an, like, I think he's an interesting character. But uh, I, even though I was like, yeah, but I remember thinking, oh, I was like, he's like when I was first watching, I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. Is I supposed to be like shipping them? I was like, oh, I'm definitely supposed to be shipping them. Yeah. Whoa. Very like, heavy handed. <laughs> one of my friends started, started calling him, his trouble remembering like any character's names for the most part. And they're not like a main character. So she started calling him Hot Bajoran at some point because of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, episode four, Invasive Procedures. Plasma storm leads to the evacuation of um, parts of the station. And this Trill comes aboard and he wants to be joined with Dax. So that one we learn a lot about the Trills and their culture and how uh, Jadzia came to be joined with Dax and the procedures that they use. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they were able to... kind of switch it back and forth between them. Yeah, and the danger that she was in for having it just ripped out like that. But I think this is the first time like that we know that there's this training process and that there's this desire to be chosen to be joined with a trill that uh, is kind of rare. Is that the first episode that really establishes that? I Where like in my head that's so ingrained that that's part of it that I'm like, when do they actually establish that? Yeah, definitely uh, episode four. Like, I really liked that episode a lot, but being like, like scared me a little the first time I watched it. I was like, oof, this is horrifying that they're like. It's intense. Forcing her to go through this. And, and the lasting effects of it are are sad, too, because she's always going to have the memories of that from his point of view. Mm-hmm. And that he's like part of him is joined with her forever now. And he's not a good person be frightening to have the memories of someone so different that you like do not agree with right because at least with you know what the trill were doing or like making sure that people were a good match and then this person comes in who's absolutely not Mm -hmm. not a good match yeah episode five the cardassians or cardassians garrick investigates the identity identity of a cardassian boy rugel they're told that he is a war orphan from the conflict on Bajor. And this is one of the only episodes so far, I believe really only two or three with Garrick up until this point. And he's cluing, you know, Julian in on like, don't believe what Golducott is telling you about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it uh, sets up an interesting background for Garrick 
you know, he kind of has this, um, is he, was he a spy? Is he a spy currently? You know, what is the background for him on this? Yeah, it sets him up. I think, you know, because Star Trek is often a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking back to the 90s, the question of interracial adoptions was disputed. So it was interesting to see their take on it and how it might not always be a good idea. Definitely. I, I, I do love that episode. And I, that yeah, that's a really interesting point because it's clear that like, they're not exposing him like their son enough to like his own culture that he's like, it's like you shouldn't treat him, teach him to hate his, his like the people who look like him. Exactly. That's not healthy. Right. And so obviously it was speaking to, you know, internalizing racism towards your mm-hmm. own race. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was handled really well. And, you know, it fits in that Star Trek tradition of like telling you something that if you said it outright, would maybe offend people at the time. Um, but if we tell the story with aliens, then people won't get upset. Yeah. And I, I feel like a story, I think the, this episode starts showing you like how awful Ducat really is. Yeah. I was like, no, he did this to get political advantage. He like kidnapped a young boy and then abandoned him at an orphanage. Right. Um, the prosthetics on Gal Ducat are just incredible. Like they make this man's neck appear to be like a giraffe. I think Mark Alamo is like, has like the, I guess the perfect body to be a Cardassian, <laughs> which is probably why he's the first Cardassian you see in TNG. But like his neck looks insanely long. <laughs> I feel like I've never seen him without the prosthetics. I'm just assuming the prosthetics do it. He does have a long neck, but it's not that long. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not. Well, I, I guess they like to send you a picture of shoulders. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> did once was watching a panel of Deep Space Nine and an actor was talking. This was years ago. And I was like, he had to talk a little. I was like, who is this actor? I was like, oh, that's Ducat. I just had no idea what he looked like without makeup on. Oh, yeah. No, his neck is not that long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like he's a tall yeah, like, man, but he's not mm-hmm. that tall. He's a normal person. <laughs> he's a normal person. He's, yeah. You know, a normal human being. <laughs> That's right. So um, so then the next episode, episode six, uh, Melora. Mm-hmm. Bashir tries to help uh, Ensign Melora Pazlar. She is used to a lower gravity environment and needs a lot of assistance to be able to work in their kind of normal gravity, normal as far as like Starfleet standards are concerned. I think this is like a really interesting, obviously metaphor for disability. Yeah. And I do love the, I was like, there's nothing actually, the message is there's nothing actually wrong with Melora. It's just different. Yes. I kind of love the message at the end that she doesn't want to get rid of the thing that makes her different. Like I have ADHD and sometimes people are like, oh, don't you wish there was a cure? And I was like, no, because I'd be a completely different person. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would be without ADHD. Like I'd be getting rid of such a big part of me. Yeah, that's true. I love the point that Bashir kept driving home with her that nobody is independent. Mm hmm. You know, and he made the point, like, we're on a space station in space. 
you know, we're all dependent on each other. And I think that was one of the things that hit home so much about a year ago when we were all, the whole world was like, well, we're just going to go into lockdown and we're going to avoid contact with other people (laughs) and how impossible that is. Right. I was like, I was like, oh, we need other people, I think. Yeah. For everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like we need other people for food. We need to interact for, you know, uh, medical care and essentials of life, but also your emotional need to be around other people as well. You know, I really like that, that point that he made that none of us are independent, no matter how able-bodied quotes Mm -hmm. quotes there, uh, you consider yourself to be. Nobody really can, can do it on their own. And, and even her difference uh, helped save the day at the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And because people have different strengths and I think they did a good job of, of pointing that out. Um, episode seven rules of acquisition. Quark represents Grand Nagas Zek, who um, I just love him. <laughs> that actor does Wallace such a good Sean job. Is, Wallace Shawn is so good. Yeah. And- so I just noticed I have like a list of the episodes up and I just noticed this episode aired exactly on the day I was born. Oh, you're a baby. <laughs> I was literally a baby. <laughs> you're so young, Rachel. I can't hang on. My brain is just like doing the math. Like I, I was, was eight. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was born in 1993. The end, tail end of it. So they want to establish a presence in the Gamma Quadrant. Pell, a young Ferengi, teams up with Quark, and they learn to do business. They have to contact Karema, a member of the race of the Dominion. And I think that's the first time we hear that word, the Dominion, in this. I think it is. I'm curious. I don't want to spoil things, but I'm curious how much you actually know about that. I know a more than I should just because I've been on Trek Twitter. Yeah. So I know big things are going to happen. And I was confused why they weren't happening already because like what I know about Deep Space Nine versus what I was seeing, I was confused on the difference. So when I heard the Dominion, I was like, oh boy, you know, <laughs> here it comes. But it's, then it didn't. So then, I mean, uh, they're playing the long game here. There's a long game with Deep Space Nine, especially like it's yeah. slow bird of like a lot of stuff. <laughs> We're going to work our way there. Yeah. So I don't know the ins and outs, the whys. I just mm-hmm. know like major plot point later on is happening. So when she said the Dominion, I actually paused it and we went back <laughs> and watched that part again. because I was like, did she just say the Dominion? And uh, my husband was like, yeah, of course, he's not on track Twitter. So he was like, what does it matter? He's <laughs> like, he, he said a word. I don't. Right. He's like, why is that important? There's a development in, in like my area called the Dominion. And every time someone says it, my mind goes, I was like, it's like, I might just go Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with the uh, Dominion voting machines. I kept thinking of this. I was like, Star Trek voting machines? <laughs> <laughs> So this part was that episode was the one with the cute woman who was a Ferengi, right? Right. Yes. Who's in love with Quark. That was so cute. When she ripped off her ears, I was like, I half expected them to look like human ears underneath. And then they were like these cute little Ferengi ears. (laughs) I was very interested to see what was going to pop out. And then they were just like slightly smaller. 
little Ferengi ears. It was so cute. Oh, Pell is great. I wish Pell was in more. Yeah. Man, she could have really, she could really have been good for Quark. Oh, there's a lot that could be good for Quark. I love <laughs> Quark as a character, but I, if I was hanging out with Quark, I think I'd have some issues. Yeah, there's room for improvement for sure. Also, I was curious, do we know all the rules of acquisition? Did they get to all of them over the course of this show? I don't think they did. No. I don't think they did. There's a list somewhere. We'll have to like, that's so one of like every time it was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a, a fan out yeah. there who's compiled a list. It's, I mean, one's probably on Memory Alpha. That's but... right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, I just, there was so much uh, cute stuff in this episode. I think there are 20 or 25 rules that they are mentioned in the show, but I think the actual rules are 250. I'm surprised that they didn't. I feel like he drops one in every episode. I there's some like stuff that I was like, it feels like it's every episode, but it's not. Like I always rewatching Deep Space Nine. I'm always surprised of how little Garrick is actually in the show. <laughs> like, because I'm like, I remember he was like basically part of the main cast i feel like he got a more prominent role later in the uh the show yeah episode eight necessary evil quark has been shot odo reopens a old murder mystery and it's very kind of cliche whodunit i love noirs noirs so i love this episode i love that it goes like straight up we're doing noir let's go yeah kind of like a knives out before knives Mm -hmm. out there was a really cute line. Quark's brother is like, he was talking to uh, Odo, talking about like, is he dying or something like that? Are you are you coming to ask me about like turning off life support or something? And Odo's like, no, he is clinging to life all on his own. Like, there is, <laughs> you're not going to be able to just get rid of him, unfortunately for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a funny line. That's cute. Um, Odo he has some really good lines in uh, season two and he delivers them. The actor delivers them very well. Kira's relationship with Odo gets interesting at the end because she's kind of like, will you ever trust me again? And he doesn't say anything and kind of leaves her hanging and then it's kind of over. Yeah. It kind of makes you wonder. I do love that scene. Cause I think their re- like friend, like friendship relationship is so like such a driving force in the show. I feel like. It's deeper than you realize season one, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then episode nine, second sight, Fena appears, becomes friendly with Cisco. Like, really quickly. <laughs> oh, Star Trek episode romance. Yeah. I don't know how to describe these to people. They're like, people fall, they, they're only there for an episode, so they have to fall in love real quick. Yeah, they went from like <laughs> eye contact to making out in no time flat. But then he goes to have dinner with his terraformer and oh wow, it's his wife. Oh no, it's not his wife. Wait, she's back again. Whoa, she disappeared right before his eyes. But that's not going to stop him from kissing her again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cisco. But the scientist did sacrifice himself at the end. He wasn't a horrible person. Had a little redemption arc for him. Yeah. I like where he tells Jake about it. And Jake is like, well, when, when do I get to meet her? And he's like, um, well, the problem is she keeps disappearing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And then she literally disappears in front of him. Uh, last one, episode 10, Sanctuary. The, okay, this is hard to say, Scria. It's a race of humanoid farmers from the Gamma Quadrant. They come to the station. They don't speak, I guess, anything that the Universal Translator can even, for a while, they don't understand each other. And then, of course, uh, they come to learn, um, crew comes to learn that they need a planet and they're looking for their homeland. And then they decide that it's Bajor, which is a problem because it's already inhabited by the Bajorans. So the conflict is, you know, where are these people going to live? And they don't get to live in Bajor. I I think I, I mentioned that I, I might have feelings on this episode that are a little controversial. Go for it. That I feel like what they're trying to do is like a refugee story and be like, nope. But the problem is by using Bajor. I was like, I was like, but Bajor's Bajorans were literally refugees like a year ago. They're they don't have the resources to take care of these people to like take people on. There was literally a coup that only that almost was successful, but for like the grace of God, earlier this season. Yeah, like I don't <laughs> like. They're not ready. Like they're not. You, they are not ready. Like it's. Yeah. I think they're correct when they're like we cannot take responsibility for more people. We currently need the Federation to take care of us. So we are not retaken and made refugees again. Yeah. I think this is a case of like when you're on the airplane and they say, put your own oxygen mask on first before you help the person in the seat next to you. Like Mm -hmm. the Bajorans are still getting their oxygen mask on. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a really good way to look at it. Because I've definitely seen people be like, oh, the Bajorans are so mean in this episode. I was like, no, they're correct. Yeah. And that woman is also very pushy. She is really pushy. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, it's probably how you get stuff done. But I was like, I mean, she's curious trying. But like, they've been through some stuff. Like, Yeah. And then the one going out on the shuttle and like being dramatic doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. Yeah, I think that made me not particularly like that character. It definitely it up the drama um, and just the stress that any, everybody was was under in the whole situation anyway. I don't know. Lewis, what did you think? Well, this episode for me is quite strange because I watched uh, Deep Space Nine uh, in Spanish and the Spanish voice of the woman, uh, it's the same voice as Marsh Simpson. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so I spent the whole episode thinking that I'm listening to Marsh Simpson uh, speaking with Kira. I don't, I, I don't know if this is the same way in The Simpsons, but at least in the like English, Marsh Simpson has a very distinct voice. If she has a voice that distinct, I think I would like also be... I did once see a movie like a live action movie with the voice of Marge Simpson in the US. It was just like totally thrown off from her voice coming out of anyone but Marge Simpson. <laughs> Going back to the episode, I think, well, it's an episode about immigrants in a land of immigrants, uh, like switching places. Uh, even after all that happened with Bajor, uh, it's it's uh, make you think if if they make the right choice or not. Uh, at that time, I thought 
maybe it was not the best ending, but well, it is like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if we ever see them again. You can spoil me. <laughs> I don't think so. Really? No. No, oh. I, I don't think we ever should. I think that also, that I am confused by because it does seem like they could be something to go and I thought for sure we were going to follow up. Not that, not to, I've ever seen, no. No, wow. I, you know, I bet, like, I bet if we want a memory beta, I bet there's follow ups and books and stuff, but. No, yeah. That's probably true. All right. Well, we have just a few seconds to wrap it up here. Thank you, Rachel, Lewis, and Carla for uh, joining me to talk about the first half of uh, season two of Deep Space Nine. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.